0: Welcome to Accounting
1: High. In today's day and age, if culture is not part of your strategy, you're going to be eaten alive. The way wages have come, there's not enough people. I've seen too many businesses in every single industry complain that it's just that nobody wants to work or that this generation's different or so on and so on. I've got to wait for it to go back to normal. There is no more normal. This is the way it is. Jesus. And and, and no generation is different. Boomer, every
2: generation is complaining about every yeah. other generation.
1: There are ten million people less people in the workforce when baby boomers retire and Gen Z comes in. That's just that's a well, no, it's an, that's an that's different
3: thing. mindset around work. Like yeah, that's this on top of the being major, less people.
4: May I have your attention, please?
5: If you're listening on the show, hear what GACon can do for you.
4: It's accounting integrators. We're integrating Google Sheets with different accounting software, zeros, QuickBooks, Sage, FreshBooks. We do two-way synchronization to download raw data, reports, consolidation reports, and do bulk upload.
6: Corey, you want to say a couple words? You're like the student sitting in the front row. Where do you see people using the product more? Like, is it more in the reporting or the data side?
4: Why are you really using GCON To automate the process. So basically, we're helping accountants, business owners to have these numbers as accurately as possible and as fast. Impossible. We're managing a lot of data in both directions.
6: This excites me. As someone that's yeah. coming from building custom integrations, this is basically a tap into the API, pulling invoice data, location data, payment data, line items, customers, right? This yes. becomes very powerful. It's more than just, just reporting. You're yeah. limited by your imagination.
4: Yes, that's true.
6: One of the key features is not only that two-way sync, for a lot of people, but I think it's just extracting raw data. It's great to have report and those are super valuable, but where my head went to is like building some of the working papers for the balance sheet. If you can start to pull some transaction level detail or account level detail, that can automate a lot of the accounting process that many people just don't like doing.
5: This is a huge, huge unlock. I've been wanting to do things like this forever with access to all the data pieces. You can pull data from one client and another and another and compare them all.
4: And then you can go even further, right? It will be your dashboards. This will be your BI solutions, your presentation layers, and that will give you huge visibility, right, to the client. They don't like to dig in numbers. They want to see it's colorful on the graph, your next presentation layer. People use us a lot this way too.
5: You could also export that data into your QuickBooks or Zero.
4: This can be done too, yep. Ooh. <laughs>
5: secure automated easy two-way sync head explosions going on that's awesome what can our listeners do what can they do to sign up like this is the call to action here
4: they can access us through our website or go to google workspace marketplace type g and you will have all our products there install it and go ahead
5: G-ACON, what's the website URL?
6: We can put that in the notes.
4: ACON, uh, A-C-C-O-N, dot services.
6: Okay. And you guys have a 14-day free trial for yes. anyone that wants to test it out, yes. experiment. That's yep. what I'll be it's doing absolutely next.
4: absolutely free. They don't have to put any credit cards. We just want them to be comfortable and see if it still really works for them. Go
0: and try us out. May
6: I have your attention, please?
0: welcome to accounting high it's freshman year at a brand new school here we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions so hang tight and learn with us as we grow at accounting high you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations whether you loved high school or you hated it here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session.
6: I repeat may i have your attention please
3: this is another public service announcement brought to you in part by accounting high the views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space the events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly children should not partake in the listening of this podcast anything else
6: yeah so without further.
3: Jason Ackerman and Scott Scarano.
6: We're going to have a problem here.
3: Class is in session.
6: Wow
2: Did it bring tears nice. to your eyes, John? or is it just me? Uh, nostalgia
1: for nostalgia
3: <laughs> For a couple of reasons, I guess. could be for the M&; M&M M for some yeah. people, but or high school for others. <laughs> My co-host today is Jason Ackerman, and Jason, would you like to introduce our guests?
2: John Neville. Did I say your last name right?
3: You
1: did. Nailed it. Good pronunciation. From Nashville. was the
3: first hurdle.
1: In Nashville. Yep. I love it.
3: John Neville from Nashville.
2: Where are you from originally? Because you went to University of Miami.
1: Pennsylvania, originally.
2: So how did you get down to University of Miami?
1: Uh, you know that propaganda, what they send in the mail? Hot women, cocaine? And they, yeah, you get uh, those pictures. It's hard. It's hard to say now.
3: Sex and money.
1: So, you take a little take a little trip in April to Miami, and then the next next week you go to Boston University, and you're like, I think Miami will be it. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's not it's not rocket science to the answer. It's,
3: it's and this is not Miami, Ohio. too. No. this is the it's
1: Miami. The you,
2: yeah. yeah. my best friend went to University of Miami. We're from Charlotte, and uh, nice. He became an Orthodox Jew down there. He did like the opposite of what you should do at University of Miami. So, that—that <laughs> so that is the other mecca there. Huh? <laughs> so, how'd you then make it to Nashville?
1: So, after school, graduating in 2009, I think they say it's maybe one of the worst worst years to graduate college in the last yeah. hundred years. I'm 09 too. Um, so, I, I yeah. feel you. So, uh, you know, first world problems. So, <laughs> went to. Uh, When it took a nonprofit internship in D.C., what is the American Council on Renewable Energy, had a a passion for the renewable energy space. That then led to my first job at county firm, which was at the time, Resident Group. Did that for a couple years, and then realized corporate world was not for me, and moved to Nashville after being talked into it uh, with my friends, one of which is my business partner, <laughs> and we actually all grew up together in Pennsylvania and then moved here.
2: So your friend was just like, let's move to Nashville, and you're like, okay.
1: Well it's, well, it's a little bit more detailed than that, so uh, my business partner, Dan McCarthy, we grew up together in, in Pennsylvania. His younger brother, Colin, played football, so he was drafted by the Titans, and that's really what put Nashville on the map for us in 2011. And then we came to visit, and it was a really good town for, for entrepreneurship. At the time, it was much cheaper than D.C., and uh, Dan was moving from Florida. So it was a good middle of the road to to link up, and we just hung a diddle, digital <laughs> shingle up there. You know, anybody, whatever they want to pay us to do, we would do it. Throw A, a little
3: digital ho- shingle. Yep. I like it.
1: You know, when you decided you are going to found your own accounting,
2: Company, mm-hmm. like a why? I mean, you kind yeah. of said you didn't want to work for a big firm, but like going on your own. yeah, steps and then.
1: So we first did. And we got the natural. The first thing I did was reach out to the energy space because I was still very much into that, and it was a pretty very much smaller industry in Tennessee. Renewable energy is very state by state based. It's kind of like cannabis is. It's it's based on state laws and regulations and incentives so tennessee was pretty early but we got in with a solar installer that was pretty large at the time and we were doing financial analysis trying to bring investment into the state from some of the context that i had working with when i was the low man on the totem pole we were getting pretty close but then it got really just the politics of the state just kind of made it impossible and we weren't ready to really you know call it quits on doing our own thing and at the time we had a couple, we got a couple other you know, small startup companies doing $250 a month type bookkeeping. That was early on. So when we put away the, the energy stuff and then jumped full f- fledged into the, the finance and accounting, what we kind of saw was that these small startups really needed a lot, of, a lot of help. And we really wanted to bridge the gap of the finance and accounting. Both my business partner and I come from audit backgrounds, him and internal audit the external and we really like the the aspect of like getting to know a business and audit i still think audit is a really great place for people to learn you get unprecedented access to a business and their people to gain knowledge but the biggest problem with audit is everybody knows like you're you're six months behind you're not really helping them do do anything there's not a lot of value provided so what we wanted to focus on what was the future so bridging the gap between the historic and the future so since day one we've been pretty focused on the financial aspect with these businesses and building an F and A practice with that.
3: How many times have I said bridging the gap between the past and the present, Ackerman? I talk about that all the time. He gets tired of me saying it's like, that. It's shit.
2: like we're in London <laughs> all the time with you.
1: That's on our BTO, man. Bridging the gap. Bridging the gap.
2: I love it.
3: So so. Is it bridging the gap, though, with two A's?
1: <laughs> no, we're not as punny as you are. <laughs> That's a, we need to
2: trademark that, bridging the gap. Put that on your list, guys.
1: <laughs> I had another good
3: one earlier. I, was, I don't know how it came up, but it was like the iPhone, the I in it is an upside-down exclamation mark. It's kind of like the Spanish upside-down question marks. It was in context, though. This is out of context, but that was the, that was the joke there today. Sometimes I surprise myself with these funding ones (laughs) so
2: when you started your own firm what and you came from a big firm was there stuff like you knew you wanted to do you didn't want to do
1: so when we got started you know like i said before we were starting with pretty small companies i think i've I, i listened to some of your podcasts uh before scott and i've and i've heard you guys talk about like you work with your clients where you are i would say that i would probably edit that a little bit and you work with the clients you want to where you want to go next so when we were the zero dollars in revenue we were trying to work with the people that were 200,000 in revenue when we got the 200,000 we were working with those in a million or a million we were working with those you know two plus and now we're about a two million dollar firm. our typical clients around five million you know in revenues they can go up obviously they go upwards but that's that's how it kind of evolved for us
3: well, that's how you learn and that's how you push yourself too. It's like when you're working out, you always want to be a couple levels up or a- anything you're doing, you want to challenge yourself and push yourself. And if you surround yourself with people, you're the average of that, the, you know, the people that you're probably the average of all your clients. Yeah. You know, if you took that as a whole.
2: So, so
1: what? Yeah, A
2: $5 million client, what's the typical services you're providing for them?
1: So it's typically the controller service so what we call a controller service is ar ap month end close financial reporting and then we do kpi dashboarding and then we'll also add in cash forecasting monthly cash forecasting and that's what we consider controller service so everything from there there on down we're going to we're going to control for most of our our verticals today are technology saas and healthcare space largely we also have you know, service-based companies that can be wide ranging in industries, but those are the two niches that we have really dialed in on the last couple of years. And with a lot, especially in the SaaS business, with they typically have a BPF finance or CFO internally. And then we operate as that finance and accounting department, handling all those forecasting KPIs and all the accounting structure from there.
3: Do you guys do any specialty tax? Like when you're software tax, do you do any R&D? Oh, you no, don't even do tax. We don't,
1: we don't do tax or audit. We are strictly outsourced F&A.
3: Wow. Yeah. That's unique.
1: Yeah. And how many employees do you have? We've got about 20. I think today we hired our 22nd. It's exciting.
3: Yeah. So 22nd, including you and John. Including me you and I, Dan. I, yeah, Danny. including
1: me and Dan. I hired our 22nd today.
3: So hard numbers. We can go yeah, straight. Yeah, to let numbers, go So. Baby. <laughs> yeah. So
1: 2020. So I was looking back at this. So we grew up. Everything we've done has been organic, bootstrapped everything from day one. Round 2015 to 2019, we were growing on average 40% a year. And then 2020 was kind of a turning point for us. That's when we kind of we were everything we were doing. No niches whatsoever. We just kind of take on any client. But we would do a lot. We would, as we say, we were doing F&A from the day one. You know, pretty. We were really, really cheap for people for a long time. It took us a while to really, you know, get to the level where we really understood our value. So I think in 2020, or well, even before the pandemic, is when we really realized that this just the, the model wasn't working. We had a had an employee that was really, really good, and she left because she didn't like accounting and we also inadvertently burn her out and that's when we kind of saw that happening and then when covid happened you know everybody started getting burnt out so that's where we kind of really started diving into we needed to get purge out a lot of these clients that didn't work for us anymore we started really focusing on those niches so 2020 was our worst year ever we grew only seven percent and then from there on, we've 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 been 30, 35 the last two years, and we're on track for 35. We're about a little over, we about two, about 2.1 over the trailing 12 months. We'll probably end the year around
3: 2.2. So 2.2, 22. Those are those are the yeah. two of the metrics: employee count, top line, bottom line. What yeah. do you care to share?
1: Our bottom line is not is not the best at the moment. The way we we're much more focused right now on building the right firm. So, in the way we've kind of structured things over over the years is, you know, a lot of firms in this space have kind of run away from the FP&A. I would say, as we as what we saw in the beginning, a lot of people started trying to do it and then started kind of more running away. There's a lot of good people that are doing it well. I'm not saying that 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 yeah, we're trying to run away from it, but yeah, but we see a lot of people running well, away. Well, people
3: are chasing us too. Even if like yeah. you've got apps and vendors that are chasing us with you have to do advisory, you got to do FPN A, you got to yeah. do this and that's why that's why a lot of us are running away cuz yeah. we we want to look at the tax. We want to be comfortable with the gap, that gap of last year. Yeah. We want to look at last year.
1: Yeah, and where we really found what we really found is that it's it's all about the pricing. You know, you got to find the right, you got to be willing to turn everybody away. And I think I think that's where a lot of people probably get hung up is that, what is somebody willing to pay for it? You know, I would say when we look at it, 2016, 2017, our average client fee per month was probably a little less under 2,000. Today, a new client starts with us six to six to eight thousand. So it's a way different business model. We probably have the same amount of clients. We're about 37 clients at the moment. So, and we were 37 clients three or four years ago. So, it's just a matter of really driving up that, that average monthly fee uh, to bring that up. So, we hire, we're right now in the process of really hiring ahead and investing in our team because we have a, a model that essentially we want this one full team where we have our controller, assistant controller, senior accountants, our bookkeepers, and then plus we have an implementation team that we really invested a lot in as well over the years we've tried to do implementation a lot of different ways but that's really the implement, good implementation is the crux of a strength of a sustainable business in the long term oh hell yeah yeah, yeah. and that's so onboarding you,
2: yeah so you've got 22 so. people yeah. and 37 clients so yeah you're doing a lot for them so that's yeah, yeah, that six so eight, like yeah. what is yeah. a typical person
1: like how many clients are they working on
3: Typical team though. Typical, this.
1: yeah. So a typical senior accountant at the level of fees we're at now are going to be somewhere between, typically like four or five clients, and then the assistant controller is going to have to double that, yeah, and then our controller is handling three of those on top. So it's basically so, so they've got a controller quarter time can handle jobs. Three
2: clients at a time. Yeah.
1: The senior accountant, senior accountant is where we is where we wait. That's what that's the meatiest part of of the business. That's your day-to-day transactional doing the go-to point of contact. Doing the yeah. reconciliation yeah. code. Yeah, exactly. That's where you learn. So you, so yeah. you think that person that. can handle that's, three
2: clients yeah. at a time?
1: No, they're handling about four to five. Yeah, And some of them are handling more. It's, we, we focus m- less on the number of clients and more on the top-line uh, top revenue that they're bringing in. Revenue that's being managed? Yeah, revenue that's being managed. But it, but it basically so, factors out to around four to five right
3: now. So go back to the margins question that you haven't answered yet, and that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay. But Is it okay? Projecting this out. Well, so it's, our- you're kind of like, you're kind of hiring the teams. So you have the capacity before, and that's going to definitely eat into yeah. margins when you do that. But let's say oh, yeah. it's a team. It's a team that's fully capacity. It's, it's everything's churning, running along what's your mark do you do you measure margins for those teams
1: 50 percent gross margin for our recurring team yeah we have an investment on right now on our implementation team but we've and that's that's the way we've we've played it because we want to build out that team and then scale gross margin means their salaries direct labor yeah direct labor so so your client team into into that revenue so i guess kind of backing
2: into this, how how do you so your team consists of a senior accountant, uh system controller and a tro- controller?
1: Yeah, so if you if you looked at our team, we'd have essentially two different divisions. We got an implementation, we got our what we'll call our recurring growth services. Yeah. Internally. So in there you've got um from the bottom up, you've got a senior accountant who's that point of contact for that what we said that about five clients, let's say they're going to have a bookkeeper on each one of their clients it might not be the same one but they're going to bookkeeper on each client and then there's going to be two senior accountants to every assistant controller and cool. then we have a controller on top of that that we're filling in the process and then that's one team that's our recurring team and then how we much have,
2: money should that one team do you think
1: how much should they be able to generate that's where we're we're going to look for that team to do about 2 million so once it's all said and done okay and then and then our implementation team is going to be uh we've got a finance manager we've got um a sas essentially revenue recognition um specialist and then we have an implementation senior accountant plus an implementation director for that since we're we're functioning so much of that up front
2: and implementation means like the client comes to you and you've got to set up all their accounting and their bookkeeping and their Yeah.
1: We, we run our, I mean, you guys have talked with all the smartest people in the I in doubt industry. It. Everybody's, everybody's got pretty much the same process. It's discovery. It's implementation. It's recurring. Mm-hmm. How you do recurring is pretty much how it changes. Some people will throw, will throw a, 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 a fractional team at it. Some folks will have a, one person that just handles their book, and they might do it hourly. They might do it value priced, but pretty much every every solid c- company I would say does a discovery implementation recurring. And our discovery in, starts in the business development process, and then it that's how we kick off any implementation. And our implementation starts with the bottom up. We always go bottom up. That's a big theme in our organization, is that you got to get everything cleaned up first. You can't do you know, to every client that you ever work with that you guys probably heard is like they come to you and this has not changed in 10 years uh, that they come to you and say, I need a forecast or I need a KPI dashboard. And so then you go in their books and it's a freaking nightmare and you have to you have to start there. So we clean up the books and then you do KPI dashboards and then forecasting is the last thing. Um, that's how it works because you can't you can't have a forecast if you don't have data that makes sense. And you need KPI drivers for a reference point on actually how to create a forecast. And that's the big key when you talk about bridging the gap. It's also about bridging the knowledge gap of an entrepreneur because, you know, the entrepreneur is going to come in with their sky in the pot, you know, pie in the sky projection that just doesn't make any sense. And then you, when you look back at their financials, so you got to help them tell the story of historic where, where they are historically and how they're going to actually make that that grandiose plan that they have a reality. Um, So how do you, and all of that's, how do you price the clients? So we, I would say 90% of our clients are fixed fee. Um, In our implementation process, we do hourly implementations. And the reason that we do that is we, we tried doing fixed fee implementations before and you end up losing your shirt. Um, (laughs) And the reason for that you is know, you
3: lose your shirt. You price it out too. And yeah. Sometimes they, you know, yeah. the, you balloon it too much that they won't even accept it.
1: Yeah. So we keep the implementation on an hourly basis, and essentially and the you biggest reason for that. Uh, we have a rate schedule, and anywhere from you know, a hundred up to four hundred bucks depending an hour. The work. So, yeah, depending on who's doing the work. So when you look at the the hourly fees is everybody, you know, kind of has that same process of what we're looking for, right? But every client has a different state of their books on the cleanup. So somebody could have really clean books because they came to us and their accountant that was doing a good job got another job um, and just isn't going to be there anymore and they need somebody else to step in. Or they came to us, you know, it's an absolute disaster. They've been running their, their business out of their bank account. And they haven't looked at anything. So you got to clean up everything from you know the prior year and the current year. So all of that takes a lot of different effort that you got to do up front first and then implement the systems. I would say if you look back, and a lot of people probably tell you this too, five, six, seven years, when people were coming to us five years ago, pretty much everybody was still on like QuickBooks Desktop. Nobody had heard of Bill.com. Nobody had heard of Gusto, Expensify. Today... I would say more than 50% of our clients are already on QuickBooks Online, already using com. They've heard they're probably on Gusto. They've heard of Expensify. So the core tech stack is not that much of a uh, an issue anymore. Like we used to implement the core tech stack a lot, but now it's more about just cleaning it up, making the process a little bit better, maybe adding at one or two little of the core features before we run into adding revenue recognition software. and Structure and then we use G-Rav, um a lot for our forecasting KPIs. So. so and then on the
3: I want to play my rap now. Now that you mentioned we'll Giraffe, put giraffe. giraffe. There you uh, the queue. Yeah,
2: where they pay us money to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and then and then once they start, they kind of pay. Then once the they rap. start recurring, how do you price the recurrings on a fixed fee?
1: Those are on fixed fee. Yeah. That's why I said ninety but how percent. How do you do it?
2: Fee. How you come up with the price?
1: We, so it's a value price model. So it's basically we we have come up with here's our what we want to hit on an effective rate, and here's our based on what that client looks like versus somebody else and what we might be adding in there. If we have so if we're going to start with a client these days on our base level, let's say it's fifty five hundred a month. And then we'll tear it up. If we add in cash forecasting, we'll throw it at 7,000. And if we add in a CFO meeting advisory session, yeah, might add in some more time. And it's also based on the volume too. Client at doing 2 million in revenue versus a client doing 10 million or 20 million in revenue are way different. So, um, and the volume of transactions as well. Uh, that's, you know, a B2B SaaS client versus a, that's got 300 clients. Customers versus a B2B SaaS client that's got 10. Yeah. It's way different. Um, way different model. Um, so and how often do you all depend on that?
2: Look at your fees and change
1: them. So we're we have escalators built in there now that we're taking advantage of. We pretty much go through our effective rate analysis to see where people need to be. We actually just went through several clients recently on increasing their fees that hadn't been increased for a long time, given the inflation. So typically we're looking at it on a pretty regular basis now. Like we have our, we have what we're setting as essentially an effective rate target at number of hours, you know, the fee over the number of hours. If we have an effective, trying to hit that effective rate target, then once it drops below that, we're gonna take a look at it and see, are we we being being profitable on this? Is it sustainable? Is it going up or down? Is it going to trend in the right direction? If not, then we might need to take a look at at increasing the fee. But what we also have is in our engagement letters, we have it specifically called out that if anything's out of scope, we charge them hourly for those projects. So you can have a fixed fee that lasts for a little while, but then the projects that come in and out that they that they throw those out of scope stuff, we'll just bill it back to them Do you have like a yearly like inflation I'm gonna go up six percent no matter what in the engagement letter? Be, we had been at three. we had been at three on the engagement letter. We probably need to revisit if that's the right percentage anymore. Yeah. Because it's nice like
2: because like you don't have to keep getting engagement letters. Like tax clients you have to get them to sign something every year. So it's nice like you can just set them up and then basically just like once a year be like boop
1: your fees up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's those are those are the best ones and we've and we've we've been uh we didn't do it all that well in the beginning but now with everybody we pretty much have that so you've been doing this for like 10 years
2: something like that now
1: almost yeah this specifically about nine years so what's the what's say? like a long,
2: if you could go back from nine years ago what would you
1: do different right off the bat uh invest in it like capital get a loan put it in the business you know we started the business i was 24 years old business partner was 25 when we started the business we were we were pretty young we were green not sh- not exactly sure what we were doing but we learned and we quick learned over it i would say that definitely putting some money in the business to bring in higher level help earlier we we built this business from the bottom up where meaning our, we have one employee who's been with us for seven years. He started with us as a senior accountant. He's now our implementation director. So it's good for us where we have that consistency and people growing inside of our organization, but that that creates a lot of, you know, it's slower than when you, when you don't have extra resources to help you out earlier on. So you would have so,
2: hired higher-level people earlier?
1: Yeah, we would have hired higher-level people earlier on. And we also would have increased our set our fees much higher earlier on as well and also and also with a niche down much earlier yeah. <laughs> all of
3: these woulda coulda shouldas right but you don't even know well it's though. kind
2: of a recurring like everyone just kind of when they first start they're so scared so they just like
3: you want to win business though and you want to yeah you're yeah. afraid of people saying no for fear that everybody's going to say yeah no. like there's yeah. so much going on in the beginning but that you just you had some faith your in yourself
2: place. you got to have self-confidence but it's
1: hard when you're first yeah.
2: starting
1: yeah it took a while i would say around like the last few years have really kind of kind of changed our business from like a you know going from a, a founder to like an actual ceo and a, and a leader like it's way different you know, when you're when you have a, a team of five people or less you know you're still still very much a like a buddy organization and you're trying to make something happen but when you got a team of 15 20 people it's a way different dynamic um so what do you spend most of your time on so most of my time is spent on internal coaching with our team it's going to be spent on so what are you coaching What are you coaching calls our yeah. team most of the coaching that i do with our team is largely soft skills. I would say, I, I, don't, I'll, I will do hard skill trainings, but I'll travel, last year I did a lot more of it um, before I had to dive back into some of the, the inner, inner workings of the business, because we, of like where we're putting our efforts for our resources. So, but when we do trainings, I'll build hard course trainings like video tutorial trainings, and we'll do you know video sessions with our team. But a lot of it is soft skilled coaching. you know make sure people know how, are getting what they need from a management standpoint. and then also soft skills on how to deal with clients. I mean that's the one thing I think I listen to a lot of your, your podcasts and the one theme that I think that never comes up in your podcast is that everybody's very positive about their like, their clients like, but everybody knows that clients are the, the worst part of the business. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some they,
3: people love their clients, they Others keep you. Yeah,
1: they well, no, it's not about whether you love the clients, it's about how do you deal with your clients' stresses. Yeah, because num- the, number, the number one thing that, that I think anybody does this is not accounting specific at all, it's in any business, any individual is that everybody's trying to be a perfectionist, everybody wants to please their clients, and everybody's doing a really good job of it. But what burns people out the most is not the work. It's the stress coming at them from other people, the demands, the expectations yeah. of what's coming to them, and how do you manage those expectations? Because people, in your stress response, you're gonna free, you might freeze up, or you just you're gonna want to run away from it, and you. But all you want to do is you know do a good job, and afraid of doing anything else. So typically, people are afraid to push back, ask for a reasonable demand, understand why that person is stressed. So a lot of things like when you talk about like soft skills, like the like manage your clients is the number one thing we we do internally we've got a we have a professional development culture coach internally that we do with our team they do management training she does management training but she also does this it's called eli assessment so you guys have probably eli e-l-i energy leadership index Eli
3: the book (laughs) book
1: yeah book of eli book of eli so you guys have have done everybody's done or not everybody most a lot of people have done disk predictive index or culture index or myers-briggs your personality profile what the eli does is it's your attitudinal assessment so it's essentially there's seven layers of of stress that you encounter and if and how do you encounter those when you are in a stressful environment versus non you know a more regular environment and everybody has different profile for that But the number one thing that everybody on how they have a different profile, how they react to their triggers when they're in an environment that they're not stressed in. But then their energy changes when they're in a stressed environment and that stressed environment can change for what the triggers might be different for every person. But across the board, everybody has their first stress trigger is to be a victim. And then the second stress trigger is to blame somebody else. So I think the most important thing is where
3: you get victim blaming.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So then what we, what we work with our team on is that we went through it for our team themselves to more of a self-assessment tool. But what actually, for me, it actually helped to use, to actually coach them on like, well, this is how your client is responding. If you've got a BPF of finance who's upset that you missed something or something they could done on time, it's like thinking about their stressor, what are they stressed about? They got a board meeting, their boards down their neck they're afraid that they're not going to be able to answer a question to the board. And then they're coming, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to victimize themselves. and blame right back at you. And when you're an outsourced FNA department, you're not inside the organization. So you're typically the easiest person to point a finger to. So you tip, So a lot of it, like you have to manage personalities. You have to manage, you know, the client expectation. When you do that, you make for a much better relationship and much more long-term relationship. I think that's where we've probably been, what's what helps it's been helps our success the most is you know actually managing those client relationships because you can't when when we're doing as much as we're doing for a client when we're as intertwined as we are and how much to rely on us the importance of the information you're bound to make mistakes you're bound to make errors you can't be perfect every day um and you just gotta you gotta own it up and make fix it and and work with clients to to get them what they need
3: so i love that you brought that up because this just came up Friday with my team when you know we've been forever trying to figure out what's our industry vertical and they consistently always say they don't give a about that they care more about the types of clients that we're taking on their personality types and you know so there's I mean we we don't go that deep into Mm -hmm. you know the the real psychology around it but we just know in general there's about 20% of people that just suck regardless of what they're doing, who they are. They're just terrible. Maybe 10% of people that are just not, you know, those are the ones we, we definitely, it's easier to weed those out, but then it's the passive, passive aggressive ones, the ones that really get under your skin and and work their way in. It's harder to find those. And then you got the, the narcissist or the people that are the, you know, that are, that are, that are politically savvy and they end up in the door and then they're basically commanding all of the attention of that account manager or, you know, uh, and usually it is a blend of that passive aggressive. So, but it's hard to figure that stuff out on the front end. Do you find, like, do you find that you're better at taking on the right clients or if somebody's willing to pay and they're the right industry and everything checks the box, are you even looking at their personality type too?
1: Yeah, in, a, in our business development process, we do have our process to determine like, is the person a good fit? When we're looking, uh, we have our, biz- our business development director, he does a lot of that screening early on to kind of see, like when you ask questions about their business, you're gonna find out how much, you know, how prickly they're gonna be. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing is, in our discovery process, I don't ask questions. I don't spend the time asking questions about their accounting process. I spend time asking, what are your marketing activities? Who's on your sales team? What systems are you using in sales? How do you implement your clients? And if somebody responds to me in a way like you don't, you're an accountant and you don't need to know that stuff, end of the conversation, because we do that because we need to understand how their business works and what they're using, if we're gonna provide them KPI information, forecasting information. If you think anybody who thinks an accountant or finance team can sit in a silo in the back and just clean up everybody's (laughs) after it's all done, they're, they're not a client. They're not a client for you. You gotta have somebody that understands that this is all a cohesive environment. Everything connects to one another. Processes, an accounting system that doesn't work is not, the process didn't break in accounting, the process broke somewhere else rolls downhill so and we're always the ones to pick it up so <laughs> <laughs> so so it's that so that is that's how you find out if somebody is is it is a good it's a good person or not in, I like in those in those questions so
3: yeah if there's always the soft i mean this is the soft skills of knowing what to ask asking the right questions and then gauging their answer like we we do it a little bit differently, but we ask all those fluffy questions on a type form mm-hmm. and if they don't have the time or they don't have, they don't want to give it the time of day, this, it, what is, this is not relevant to what I'm asking you to do. Like we ask yeah. them what's something that they're most proud of, like, you know, soft questions like that. And the ones that really engage on those, we can tell they're going to be better
1: yeah. um, on the back end. I think that's great. doing it on type form. I would, I would say do it, do it on the call.
3: Well, we do. Yeah. It's just that's what gets them on the call. Yeah. If they can't even do yeah. it on the type form, they don't even make it to the call. Sometimes. Yeah. Have you I thought about it. making it's them record a rap? <laughs> well, that's my job. Soon <laughs> there's going to be a type form. Don't for get <laughs> 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 take his job away. <laughs> don't, don't
2: take me. my job. I want to, wait, no, no. I, I, I want to go back to the soft skills because you, uh, you kind of talked about the client part, but I'm very interested on in teaching your team the soft skills and like so. Give us some like what do you think your team struggles with the most? I know you talked about dealing with clients, but like how do you kind of help what's what's the biggest thing you see them doing that you need to help them with
1: well I think the the number one thing that most people in the world that we all struggle with is being okay with failure you know psychological safety is a big it's a big word hot word that Google made popular and it's and it's right. So and that's that's the big our big goal internally for our culture is psychological safety and what makes a psychological I've never
3: heard it before, but I love it. Yeah.
1: What makes a psychological safe organization is when you are free to fall on your face without judgment. So being okay with failure is the number one thing that people have to be okay with. And that's really hard for anybody coming out of school if they haven't been encouraged to do that. And it's really hard for, you know, we're in, we're in the accounting profession. Like most accountants are very detail oriented people. Like a lot of them might be introverts. You know, that's a hard thing to grasp. I'm in a situation where if you looked at all my personality profiles, everybody like, why is he an accountant? You know, it'd be the laptop. So I always kind of look at like, I mean, I definitely have my areas where I'm scared of failure, but, Uh, we have like when it comes to client, like I'm not afraid to ask questions, like the dumb questions, any other questions. We sit there and we talk about like, how do you advise your clients? You know, that's one of the big things too, is like we've worked in like almost every industry and the reason that you can do that, and not that I'm saying that I would recommend everybody work in every industry, but when you, the way you can advise anybody is you just ask questions. Like you don't need to tell them anything. So you just ask questions that give you the answers and those are the types of those are the type of skills that make you a good advisor, and those are the, and those, and that what and that's how you learn too. So if you fail at something, and you screw it up, you know you have a chance to to make up for it. Like nothing, we're not we're not doing surgery, right? You know, like nobody's nobody's life is on our hands. Um, but the, I mean, right, but
3: yeah. <clears throat> I think in general accountants are very the types. We, I mean, a lot of professionals. You know, we're the type of people that we want to have the answer we want to feel like that's that's our value is we can give the right answer and if we don't it's not that not everything's like the life isn't on the line but for us sometimes our psyche is on the line sometimes our life like our uh, our self-worth yeah. is on the line if we don't know the answer then you know they're gonna think we don't know any other answer too like it's just a lot of irrational fears that we have of not knowing yes the answer and st- it's, it's, you have to coach people to get out of that mindset. It's very hard for them because they want to know, like they want to feel like live on the call. I know something, you know, and, and when you ask me something, I know, and sometimes we fib, we lie when, <laughs> because we want to give an answer mm-hmm. and we give the wrong answer. Instead of I got to look that up, yeah. you
1: know, we just bull****. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. That is kind of like that's the natural reaction but once you start to get comfortable with it, when you start to get comfortable asking the questions, like for example, like we we'll, we do a lot of KPI reporting with our financial statements and giraffe when we present to clients. What those KPI Giraffe like,
3: sure. That was the key word. If you said it one more time, I was gonna play the rap. So yeah. at the forty five minute Go mark I'm playing it. Oh, you keep going. Yeah. I got I got another minute.
1: <laughs> so when we present those, you know, one of the big things is that A lot of times people might think it's like, okay, we're reporting KPIs so that we can tell the business owner all about their business. But one of the things is that those KPIs are just a, it's essentially just a confirmation of what's going on in the business for them. They know what's going on in their business. You don't need to tell them. They're working in it every single day. Those financial statements are lagging indicators. Like they already know what happened They're just trying to get confirmation for themselves that all these things that they're thinking about is it right and was i thinking about this correctly how far off was i where oh maybe there is something in here that's wrong that i don't notice and that's why when you go through those kpis you go through those financials it's asking them questions to say oh your revenue a simple one your revenue ticked up this month and you're a recurring you're a recurring business what happened did you get a new client you know they can answer those questions or if the revenue dropped like what happened they're gonna know they know the answers you don't need to tell them all the time you know so
3: perfect perfect segue i talk about look backs in here i talk about last year's data let's uh all right we're gonna have a lot of fun with on this one i do my part you do the hook ready j to the izzy r to the av welcome ladies and gentlemen to the ninth wonder of the financial world the app of the century Oh, always priceless it's giraffe Break. this is the exclusive giraffe ad advisory j-i-r-a-v uh. Let's go. J to the easy, R to the A V. Scalable, affordable, dabble in advisory. Eliminate frustrate. Reprint spreadsheets for them. Coordinated date, paper print statements of income. I can't believe you're playing template, this live. Print track the outcome. Immaculate creation. Giraffe baby born with outcome. J to the EZ. I
2: hope. I hope you have a music video AV. in the one I of their giraffe easy. costumes. <laughs> giraffe.
3: Can't yeah. Be yeah. Alone. Yeah. We'll, the game we'll needs there. me. <laughs> Planners want strategic tech, it ain't freezy. Clients want a 360. <laughs> degree flaunting money then why is giving advice skill daunting homie j to the izzy r to the av stress-free advisory technology it works efficiently but that's john common. is the this is this
2: wasting Price-free your time or is this like what you signed up for no it's to fun the okay Z,
5: to the AV.
3: scalable affordable dabbling advisory j, <laughs> j to the izzy cease- <laughs> so. r to
1: the did you get did you get any cease this desist letters yet i hope i
3: hope
1: so that's the goal that's when advisor. you know I know you made it that's funny yeah jay
3: to the easy That's the platform. <laughs> I perform it inform i do this for my culture to let them know what's accessible reliable and affordable show them how to move yo and there's I a lot of bars of in structure. this industry is shady so giraffe be taking i hold. swear to god this <laughs> is what i deal oh, with, I'm with every day I'm <laughs> <using> <laughs> the Oasis, i should what what get paid for this on a cash basis yeah. pull data from clients generate visuals and minutes but hold up i'm not done just oh. go to to the easy, R to the There's one more verse There's <laughs> another verse after this one And that, that's the best one too to the, the best Finance is last I don't know how I'm going to deliver this I don't think I can you. play the whole thing, the easy, and, I'm the the thing. <laughs> the and I'm doing it on an episode now Which is kind of funny <laughs> I knew Ackerman would get pissed easy, Let's get to the last There's point nothing point I love more than, than, than wasting my time Yeah Don't be acting like I just sold you tax Like I trained you to sell cash No did that Training's free, so hopefully you didn't pay for that. I was oh raised man. by a now coaching facts. Of HR, this is like my worst best. nightmare Signed, on the corner focused on text, you know those soft skills did, scott, text, scott have
1: you did you miss the, the, the quote CR less is more <laughs> I I he missed, missed he, it. he missed the seven years of soft skills training where they
2: would teach him how to like interact <laughs> with people he missed those
3: you guys booed me off stage i took it off i uh i stopped it well scott learned how to do a drop
2: and this is bad
3: yeah, I learned well. So, well, honestly, I, what I should have done was just use that and then cue it in in the post. Yeah, so you should.
2: That's exactly what you should. I'm trying have done. to save
3: my post production time. <laughs> I'm trying to save the time there so I can yeah. do it all live, and then there'll be less editing. I learned how to do this. This is a new skill that I've that I'm threatening Ackerman with. So I could just mute him and then do do whatever. But so yeah, anyway. that was just the uh, you know how Pee Wee Herman the Pee Wee Herman show where if you said a word three times, then all of a sudden something happened did you guys ever see that or don't don't remember that? Uh, Yeah. So during the show, I think Sesame street does that too, where if you say the letter of the day or the number of the day, then all of a sudden everybody goes crazy. Like the Muppet show. Yeah. So that's what you did. You hit the giraffe button again and then it it played, it triggered the the rap. Continue. I apologize for the interruption. (laughs) That's just my MO.
2: Wow. Um, No, what (laughs) okay, what I love that you do, John, that I don't think most partners do, is you spend a lot of time with your team training them. And you're exactly right, like you don't learn the soft skills. Like there's not a class called soft skills in college. And you and you like I tell people all the time, too. There's a class for soft skills at Accounting <laughs> High, though.
3: That's, that's going to be one of our... John, you, you want to be a faculty member at Accounting High? And you can teach it. soft skills yeah. to accountants. I'm serious, though. I'm actually not kidding. Yeah, um, absolutely, That would be a dope class. Well, so. And I think
2: you lead by example, too, because you also... You, you've, the key is, like, you allowing them to fail and, like, having that psychological freedom or whatever you called it.
1: Yeah. I think psychological that's... Psychological safety. I,
2: I think yeah. that's so important. That's, like... And no one's really said it the way you said it, so.
1: Yeah, well, culture, like, you know, I, everybody's probably heard at some point in time, culture each strategy for breakfast. But in today's day and age, like, if culture is not part of your strategy, like, you're, you're gonna be eaten alive. Like, you've got <clears throat> the way wages have come, there's not enough people. I've seen too many businesses in every single industry complain that it's just that nobody wants to work, or that this generation's different, or so on and so on. It's, I got to wait for it to go back to normal. There is no more normal. Like, this is the way it is. Like, the. And, is the and no normal. generation's different. Boomer, every
2: generation's complaining about every other generation.
1: There are 10 million people, less people in the workforce when baby boomers retire and Gen Z comes in. That's just, that's a, well, no, it's an, an entirely different
3: thing. mindset around work. Like, yeah, that's this on was top of the being major less people. Yeah. yeah. The last episode I recorded, which will come out one before this for listeners, that's all we talked about was that generational shift in mindset around work and life. Yeah. Like, it was always two totally different words.
2: I don't think there's been that much difference. I think back then you had like the corporation that would pay for everything, and we've like corporations no longer do that so they've lost their trust we've lost the trust in the corporation but i think if you can create an environment
3: well this is the thing you need a good job so you can have good health benefits so you can have a good pension which was a thing it's not a thing anymore like a corporation would yeah, pay for your life saying. after but they, work but they too. would
2: like yeah they would take you you worked for the corporation they would take care of you well why 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 are we not doing that anymore why as a firm are we because not we doing don't want to be
3: defined by the corporation no, it's, uh, we don't no, want to because feel like corporations we're don't
2: learn that they don't have to spend the money to do it that's it's the corporation's fault it's not some the, people don't want to be the, tied to one it's thing not the, it's not the workers' fault it's the corporation's fault
3: they own you though yeah. if they're paying for everything they now, own you I'm not, if you want to wear <laughs>
1: I'm not saying uh, that if you want to untuck your shirt but that's that's and, a really good that's a really good comment though like that's how it used to be is that it used to be that everybody, you employees work for an employer. Yeah, and yeah, of course, employees still work for an employer. But that's really not true anymore. Like, if, if you want to be a good a good company that people want to work for, you got the quicker you come to realize that you work for the employees. Like every day, you got to provide yeah. a better place for them to want to come to, because they walk out every night. There are no assets in a service business. They walk out every night, and they can choose to just not show up the next day. So, you got to provide an environment that they want to come to and that they want to yeah. be a part of. And those that aren't going to do that and they're going to complain about, well, it's just not the way it used to be, well, they're not going to be exactly. around. So, so it's, it's easier. So, the quicker people get around the concept that it's a new world order, you got to provide a, a real benefit and a real culture, and especially in a remote environment where you, you have to be super intentional about it. Like you, like you, you can't be the charismatic leader just walking around the office. You know, everybody. <laughs> that, I mean, that's you know. the
3: definition yeah. of the generational shift. We're yeah. shifting our entire mindset around work and how to be an employer. Yeah, and that wasn't right. always the case. It used to be you throw money at all of it, and everything else works itself out. Well, you can't throw money at it anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, and and you also have this. You also have a uh, a dichotomy right now of. You got people, everybody wants to work remotely, right? Nobody wants to give up their freedom. But at the same time, everybody wants connection. That's a human, that's a human element. And when you're working remotely, you are, you are just naturally not getting that connection. So you have to create, it's like extra hard, but you have to create environment where people are free to connect with one another virtually. And that they and that they're getting that there or that they're getting it elsewhere outside in their own in their own lives. Because because you're not going to get you don't get that connection that you do in an office, you know, going in there nine to five.
3: That's why when I said Friday, you know, I was with the team. We came up with stuff like the only time I could have free conversation with them is usually when we're all in person. Otherwise, I'm too distracted on the computer. So we do our unplugged days still. So we had an unplugged day. Mm -hmm. Nobody has anything plugged in and we just do things around town because most of my team is local you know we don't have an office now but most of them are local you know so i miss that i'm the one who misses it i wouldn't mind necessarily going back to an office but they don't want that so i gotta you know i'm fine at my house i'm just like around in my basement all day doing raps like it doesn't matter to me whatever i got more freedom too if i'm not in an office
1: but we're missing a lot of that interaction absolutely yeah i i personally like I go to the office. The office is very close to my house. I can't work from my house. I hate it. So I like the office. I'm with you. But but at the same time, I also like my freedom. I just spent four weeks in Paris. You know, Paris, Texas, or Paris, France. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Miami, Ohio, and Paris,
2: Texas. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's one of my favorite jobs. You're welcome. That's my job. Well, Paris. Well, also there's Paris, Tennessee, too, which is like an hour down the road. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah, so so I wouldn't be able to do that if everybody was in the office, you know. So it makes it makes it easier to do those things. So I love that.
3: Yeah, it's it's tough to balance the hybrid for the owner. To, mostly tough for the owner because some owners they can work remotely. They're they're okay with that. That's what mm-hmm. they prefer. Some of them they want to be in that office them personally because they can't get anything done at home. I can't get. Done at home. I mean, I have have my kids at you know of all ages, always around. You know, so it's something that I don't have that balance or way to flip that off or turn it off. But also at the same time, like I need that context shift sometimes too to actually get some work done. Otherwise, so for me, I I need a physical environmental shift. Yeah, Um, you need a lot of things. I created a fake commute. Like I would, I would just go on a walk as my commute and walk in the back door to come in like as if I went to the <laughs> office. Otherwise I never had any shift in the day. Like, you know, like there's
1: yeah, At least a downstairs upstairs office and live downstairs. Yeah. I can't w- use whichever. the stairs
3: or else I'm at home still. <laughs> I got to leave through the front door and come in the back door.
2: No, I, I love that you spend most of your time on your team and spending time with your team. I think most partners, CEOs, they don't do that. They never talk with their team. I think we'd be better off if we
1: spent most of our time doing what you do, yeah, I mean at the end of the day, like you're, if you're going to build a business to to scale, you've got to have a team that that wants to take that wants to to own it and take it over and, and and own it doesn't necessarily need to be in like the equity sense of the word, but they need to to want to come up and show up every day and do it and if you're not spending that time on there i just don't I just don't see how people will retain that for very long. Like people people change jobs pretty quickly. And that retention and that replacement cost is, is pretty costly, especially in today's environment.
3: So Ackerman likes to ask what's your north star. I'm gonna ask you what's your East Star. <laughs> and why East?
1: <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's pretty good. So when we actually we actually were coming up with a business name the way compass east came about was we could not decide on like anything that we wanted and a marketing person that we hired just had like she just came up with like a list of like thousands of of domain addresses and we came mm-hmm. across on compass east.com and we could buy it and we're like well that's actually a good domain address because we wanted a com at that time you know we thought like well that was gonna whatever our rational i think some people yeah. still think that yeah that was our some rationale people do. yeah, yeah. So when it was come to cease, we originally, we backed into the acronym Entrepreneurs Accounting Solutions Team. That was originally, we were like, okay, that's good. And then somebody created a logo and the logo was, we thought it was kind of cool. So that was the original branding, the original tagline of the business. But then as we grew up the business, we, we wanted to get away from so much of the entrepreneur word because sometimes it can be thought of as like, too small, or like a one-man army, where our businesses we we're we we're kind of growing them up. So that's how you get. That's how we got come East. We also look. We also early on looked at it as you know, East. You're looking forward, right? Like you know, rather than North. Everybody talks about you want to take your profits North, right? North Star, but East. You're looking forward. It's a corny. That's my pun. Corny. Corniness to it, but
3: so yeah. <laughs> I got a good acronym for this episode: Accounting Soft skills there you go that's your acronym for you ackerman <laughs>
2: ass Wait, i got it
3: <laughs> the ass episode
2: john john that's ackerman's episode. John's, that's gonna john's be ackerman's ass. episode yeah john's ass yeah. John's <laughs> at- <laughs> yes. there we go it writes itself
1: compass comp- drop the ass. rap
2: for john's ass right now let's go it in here. Ooh, I,
1: I can't wait. I can't wait to print it out and put it on my mom's fridge. Okay.
3: <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, that. But I've I got an episode called Big Energy. I mean, there's a it there's could be a worse. Of it could be worse.
2: Yeah, it could be a lot worse. So what? Uh, what are you most excited about?
1: It in the business over the next year or two. So, right now, I'm most excited about filling out this team that we've been working a long, long time to fill out because now I can. I'm really looking forward to pulling myself out of the client work to really kind of see, to really pull ourselves out and where we can see to grow the business. And growing the business is going to continue to be organically, but it can also be in, you know, potential other areas with uh, M&A down the road as we start looking into that um, to really, you know, take our model and what we've worked so hard to, to build to expand upon that. So that's really, those are, that's really my my immediate excitement is to actually start being, you know, more of an outward facing CFO or CEO, been doing it, you know, internal with our team, but personal branding standpoint, I'm probably like the worst. I'm like, not even, you won't even find me on the internet. Like, you know, I don't even have an Instagram. (laughs) I think I was posted on Facebook one time, 20 years ago. Probably did.
3: Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to build mine up. I don't, I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like doing it, but I'm, I have to for this damn, damn podcast. And this rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. For this. So getting out there. Yeah. Getting out there on like a, like a brand standpoint, like sh- like get awareness, you know, for what we've built is really going to be the, ne- the next thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Give us uh, one piece of advice for other CPA owners or county owners.
1: One piece. Of biggest piece of advice. Well you you guys uh I think one of you one of you mentioned your self worth earlier and I I saw this quote. I think maybe it was my therapist that told me about it, but um All right. and I it's, love this. Uh where This where is where I, we drop our better help. So over. yeah. It's pricing. You could you could look at this with your pricing. You could look at this with your you know, any client that doesn't want to work with you anymore or is confused about it. And they also look at this from like a heartbreak standpoint or anything with your culture. It's like don't let somebody else's confusion of what they want cause you to get confused on what you're worth.
3: I love that. Okay. Yeah, don't define yourself by other people's expectations. Yeah. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah. I I just recently read a book that basically who we really are is what we think others think we are. That's who we really are. It's what we think. So what, what I think you think of me is who I really am.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
3: Not what you think of me. That's Do not who I Do you think I, I, I don't think know of what you, what as you as a really rapper? <laughs> I hope so, one day. <laughs> I hope that the next time you think of a rapper, you think of me. That's, what, that's my goal. Yeah. I don't know if i'm there yet but it's getting better you know uh, like i boot off stage today but not listen tomorrow.
2: that the rap was excellent yeah that was amazing
1: yeah you got to
3: <laughs> encourage me if i'm going to keep doing it you can't just tell me to shut the <laughs> up <laughs> you just you, you need, you, you, need you
1: need to have like a one verse with a hook and then be done so what's
3: going to happen <laughs> is all three of those verses are built Around the verse ending with an exclamation mark and the hook so they could all be their own TikTok video, right? Go. They're all short in and of themselves. They're all less than a minute and they're all good enough. So huh. they basically got three for yeah. one. They, be- they did not ask for a rap. Let me clarify this. Giraffe <laughs> bought an ad. And no one, they no didn't, one asked for They didn't for a put an RFP out no for that asked. and you're the one that went. and No won. one asked for it. <laughs> they did not ask for this <laughs> They just gave me no. copy and I thought the copy was lame. So I repurposed <laughs> the copy into a rap and created a artificial timeline for me to do a new rap. So this is my deliberate practice. I just, I, nobody asked me to do this. But Are I you going
1: to debut the music video at ZeroCon? So I have three raps
3: right now. By ZeroCon, I might have the one that I've been building up to and that's...
2: If you don't oh, perform it's gonna all these raps It's probably going to be Con, the real Slim Shady. It's going to be.
3: It's probably going to be the real Scott Shady. That might be the, uh, that's what my wife calls me. Slim Scotty. No, 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 not Scott Shady. Slim Scotty. She calls me Slim Scotty. It's you
1: been a pleasure for for to have you to on the podcast. You're begging for those <laughs> cease
3: and desist letters. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. The next one's going to be Lil Baby, though. The one I'm working on right now is about saying no more to opportunities and saying no, just more. And it's a little Baby song, Whoa. I repurposed "woe" into "no." <laughs> this is like okay, weird. John, it's territory. been a pleasure.
1: All right, goes well. John, I enjoyed this it, man. I like the
3: soft skills talk. This is my favorite type of yes. episode. We don't talk about it enough. <laughs> You're great.
2: I'm sorry, Scott interrupted you a hundred times.
1: <laughs> Breaks it but, up, but, but it's, I don't <laughs> think Let's remember, just be I clear. Don't let's to, just, I let's to, just I clear. be clear. He
3: interrupted himself. <laughs> you interrupted <laughs> yourself. You said "Giraffe." You said the word, the safe word.
1: I did. Let's be clear. All right, John. I'm going to have to tell those guys I'm going to need a cut of that.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't, I, I didn't get paid for the rap. Let's just say that. I, they didn't pay me for the rap. They will, though. Just, they just bought an All ad. All right, John. All take right, care. A little pleasure. Peace out.
1: All right.